The future is here! Nah, I'm not talking about spacesuit onesies or living underground. I mean some cool stuff like teleporting, space travel, understanding your dogs, and so on. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg emphasized that augmented reality could teleport people to any location they wanted, whether it was for work or just having a relaxing day at the beach. With the metaverse in play, entering a virtual room is already happening. The metaverse is a virtual space where people can interact and socialize with each other through technology. It'll make you feel like you're physically present in the same place as other people, rather than just typing in a chat box. Imagine gaming or working remotely, but having a clear view of your office at the same time. You can achieve anything you need to do at work, and also save time and money you'd spend on commuting. The only downside of working remotely is the lack of socialization. But being in the metaverse will let you feel like you're not alone. The screens will be interactive, and communicating with your coworkers, friends, and family will look cooler. Even though we're not there yet with physical teleportation, virtually we can pin ourselves anywhere we want. Nanobots are called this way because they're really, really tiny. These robots are designed to perform specific tasks inside the human body for medical reasons. Once inside, they start acting on their own without the need to be controlled. Oh, and they can multiply like our cells. Now, we've often heard the word nanobots tossed around in sci-fi movies, but it's not that far-fetched. They're designed to perform super-specific tasks, especially in the world of medicine. Think of them as little mini-doctors inside your body that are accurate enough to diagnose the problem and prescribe treatment. Everyone will be healthier than before with these little bad boys. Now, every year, the population of Earth increases, the cause of which has been linked to babies. This means a higher demand for food. There's only so much space in urban areas, so farms will soon have to be located in the most unconventional places, like skyscrapers or in the air. And in the air means structures that can support vegetation on platforms. A prominent architect, Javier Pons, designed a building with three levels powered by solar panels on the top. The middle layer will grow various vegetables and fruits that will get nutrients from liquid instead of soil. The remains of the plants will drop to the bottom layer to feed fish, which can also be grown for food. Each structure will be large enough to support an entire city if needed. Skyscrapers can also host some mini-farms on rooftops to support neighborhoods. A lot of greenery in cities will reduce pollution and essentially lower temperatures in hot places. Now, what about our cute little pooches? Ah, we all love coming home to our dogs, sprinting up to us and jumping around. They're either saying, feed me, I'm starving, or please don't ever leave me again. But what if we could figure out exactly what they're saying? Well, we've developed technology to understand our dogs clearer with the help of a mood collar. You put the device on your dog, and a digital screen indicates your dog's mood by colors. We already know that dogs speak to us or other dogs using their body language. A wagging tail is a sign of excitement or happiness. Snarling and exposed teeth mean aggression and back off. And of course, there's barking. Some barking noises can be warnings. Others might be friendly greetings. Artificial intelligence will help us understand what our dogs are telling us by recording them on our phones. 
It's important that the app sees the dog's body language too, including the pooch's ears, tail, eyes, mouth, and so on. The app will then send this information to the cloud. The AI technology will decode this data by studying thousands of hours of animal footage and picking up the right expressions and sounds. This will allow vets to better understand their dog patients and prevent any harm that can follow. It will also help train dogs not to be too friendly to delivery people or pedestrians walking by in the park. The future of commuting lies in the air. No longer will we have to wait at a red light, counting the seconds till it turns green, so we can make it on time to work. What if we use flying taxis as a means of human transportation? Hey, now we're talking! Electric air taxis are becoming a thing for transporting people. Amazon is experimenting with air deliveries, and they're proving to be a success. Flying machines have sensors that can notice hazards like birds, wires, and large objects. It's up to countries to adopt this new form of transportation. Even though air deliveries are available, authorities still need to figure out how to organize them, create rules, and set up safety measures. As for air taxis operated by people, we have to consider who is eligible to drive them or what kind of models can be produced. But we might see the sky filled with air taxis already in our lifetime. So, time travel is real. Actually, you're traveling through time right now. With every second of this video, you move one second into the future. <laughs> but there's one person on Earth who has managed to time travel a little further into the future, two hundredths of a second. And that's not the limit. Meet Sergei Krikalov. He's an astronaut who spent 803 days, 9 hours, and 39 minutes on the International Space Station. That's the key to his time travel. The point is that for two objects, one standing still and the other moving, time flow is different. That is, if we take our planet as one object and the ISS as the other, time on Earth and on the ISS will go differently. But this is not enough to significantly affect time. We need to look at gravity. The larger the object, the stronger its gravitational force. For example, on the Moon, you can jump higher and lift heavier objects than on Earth, because the Moon is light. But on Jupiter, you can barely stand on your feet, because it's heavy, and its gravity is many times stronger. Gravity bends space-time itself. Imagine a trampoline or a stretched sheet. As long as there's nothing on it, space-time is even, and time is the same at all points. But put a heavy object there, and you'll see a pit forming in it. Now imagine putting a heavy object like the planet Earth in the center of the sheet. It weighs 6 tons, plus another 21 zeros. It would bend our sheet so much that time would go differently in the center than in a place where space-time is flat. And the heavier the object, the greater the warp, and the slower time will go there. For example, near the Sun, time goes even slower than on our planet, because it's more than 300,000 times heavier. Or take a black hole. Even a small one weighs tens or hundreds of times more than the Sun. And supermassive ones are millions and billions of times heavier. They will bend space-time so much that time near them practically stops. So, our hero, Sergei Krikalov, used this very method of time travel. 
He just wasn't at the very depth of this time-space vortex, but on the ISS. It's at a point in space-time where the curvature of the sheet isn't that strong. And time went a little faster for him than it does here. Just a little bit. And if you spend enough time there, gradually, you start to overtake the people here on Earth in time. Sergei could have gone much farther in time, but another law of physics prevented him from doing so. It's all about the unity of space and time. If you're standing, you're only moving in time. But if you run forward, you move both in time and space. The faster you run through space, the slower you move in time. The International Space Station travels around our planet at 4.7 miles per second. This speed slowed down Sergei's movement through time. So in more than two years on the ISS, he only traveled in time by two hundredths of a second. So here's a way that you can time travel. Seat your friend at a table and give them one watch. Put the other one on your arm and start running around the table. If you run fast and long enough, you'll notice how the time on your watch and your friends is different. Voila! You have traveled through time. But there are other ways to get to the future. For the first way, you need to get to a black hole. The closest one is just over 1,000 light years away from our solar system. You jump into your faster-than-light spaceship and arrive there. You need to fly as close as possible to its center, to the very edge of the event horizon. Space-time is so warped here that one second can be equal to weeks or even months on Earth. So just wait here for a few minutes. Now, turn the hyperdrives back on and fly away. Of course, you have to be careful here. Black holes are so heavy that nothing can escape their gravitational force. Even light, which is the fastest thing in the universe, can't escape a black hole's embrace. But that's no problem for you. And you're already on your home planet. Wow, it's been decades on Earth while you've been away. There are flying cars, robots, and holograms everywhere. Another option is traveling at the speed of light. You and your friend are standing on the starting line at the stadium, and each of you has a stopwatch. Press start, you run at the speed of light around the Earth a few times, and finish. Stop the clock. The time with which you ran your sprint is less than that of your friend who is standing still. But there's a so-called twin paradox that scientists are still racking their brains over. It's all about what to take as a reference point. If the center of the coordinate system is a person standing still, and the other is running at the speed of light, then the runner's clock will lag after the run, because they were moving not only in time, but also in space, remember? But if you take the runner as the reference point, it was the static person who was in motion relative to them. And then the static person's clock would have to be behind. So as a result of the experiment, both guys' clocks, the runner and the static guy, would show the same time. This is the twin paradox. Another way to cheat the laws of physics and stop the flow of time is to get into the plank position. Then time just stops for you. Okay, just kidding. Assuming that traveling back in time is possible, there's a whole bunch of problems and paradoxes. For example, at 12 p.m., you're engaged in building a time machine. 
At 12.30, you finish building it. And then, at 1 p.m., you enter it for one purpose, to prevent you from building the time machine yourself. Then you go back in time at 12.20, when the time machine is almost finished, and break one of its details so that it can't be built to start with. You're traveling by train and hear the wheels banging against the tracks, but suddenly the train rises and gains altitude. None of the passengers scream in panic because this is a regular thing now. Well, maybe not yet, but it might become our reality anytime soon. Aka Technologies Company is developing such a project. Their goal is to reduce travel time and make trips more comfortable. To travel today, you need to get to the airport, spend a few hours there at the check-in and security check. And only after that can you board the plane. When the plane lands, you need to go through standard airport procedures again and then get to the city. Only after this, your trip is over. It means you use at least three different types of transport. But with Link and Fly from Aka Technologies, you can get to your destination without any transfers. This is a train the size of an Airbus A320. It's as long as four school buses and can hold about 162 passengers. Since it's a train, it can run on the subway tracks right to the city center. So when you begin a trip, you just need to get to the nearest subway station. Once you're on the train, it takes you to the nearest airport. And there, the fun part begins. The train makes a quick stop to get the wings and jet engines attached. So now, your train has a wingspan as wide as a soccer field. The engines start, the train accelerates, and takes off. After the flying train lands, the wings get detached again, and you're on your way downtown and your destination, with no transfers, without having to wait for a cab. And again, you can get off at any subway station. Transformer planes that can drive around the city are the distant future. For now, this company is developing a simpler solution to reduce airport overloads. Instead of having a plane parked right next to the gate, passengers will board the plane's fuselage right inside the airport's building. The fuselage will then pull out onto the runway, and the wings with the engines, as well as the cockpit with the pilots, will be attached. Here you go. The plane is ready for takeoff. This system will make boarding and takeoff 30 minutes faster than before. The company plans to make different types of removable fuselages. For short flights, they will have a capacity of about 160 people. There will be double-deck cabins for long-haul and higher-capacity flights. VIP cabins can be customized like a private jet. And if all the seats are removed, the cabin can be used as a cargo plane. Link and Fly has a special safety system in case the cabin separates from the wings during the flight. Three parachutes at the front and three at the back of the cabin will deploy automatically. There are also braking rockets that can help to quickly reduce the speed. This way, the fuselage will descend slowly and safely. A few seconds before touching the ground, the cabin will launch airbags attached to the bottom of the fuselage for the softest possible landing. Another option for traveling faster is the Airbus pop-up. It's a kind of taxi that can travel by road and by air. In the future, you can simply order such a cab from your tablet, phone, or even smart glasses and wait for the vehicle to arrive. The car itself consists of a passenger pod half the size of a modern sedan. It can hold two people and has a futuristic design and interface. The second part is the ground module. It's the chassis and wheels for driving on conventional roads. You get into the pod and after that, artificial intelligence does all the work for you. It steers the car safely and takes you to your destination. When you get out of the cab, the pod with the ground module is sent to the nearest charging station. For convenience, charging stations will be located throughout the city, so you won't have to wait long for a cab. 
But if your destination is far away, a more interesting ride awaits you. Like in the first case, you get into a pod on wheels. The ground module takes you to the nearest takeoff site. There, the capsule gets attached to the air module. This thing looks like a giant drone. It hooks the passenger capsule and flies up, separating the pod from the ground module. Now, it's a flying cab. You can enjoy the beauty of the city from above. When you land on a special platform, the pod reconnects with the ground module, and you proceed to your destination, while the air module charges for the next trip. Rockets might be another revolution in long-distance travel. For now, we use them to fly into space, but in the future, they might completely replace airplanes. Let's say you're going from New York to Shanghai, which is on the other side of the planet. The launching pad of the rocket can be on the water, somewhere in Lower Bay. You board a ferry that will take you to the rocket. Once you reach it, you take your seat along with the other passengers. Countdown. Ignition. The rocket takes off and reaches space. It's now traveling at about 16,800 miles per hour. When in orbit, the launch vehicle undocks from the passenger rocket and heads back to the landing station. There, it will be refueled and prepared for the next launch. At this time, the rocket with the passengers will use its own engine to fly around Earth. It re-enters the atmosphere and lands on a platform on the water near Shanghai. This flight takes only 39 minutes compared to the 15 hours a conventional airplane needs. But there's a downside to such trips. A rocket makes a lot more noise, so landing platforms have to be far away from the cities. This will increase travel time. The other problem is G-force. Standing on the ground, you feel 1G. When you take off in a normal airplane, you feel about 1.5G. But when you travel by rocket, the G-force you'll experience will be twice as strong. And if it reaches 5G, you'll pass out. Back to the ground. In 2010, the number of cars in the world exceeded 1 billion. And by 2030, this number is expected to double. So, we need to fight constant traffic jams on the roads. The elevated bus could be a great solution for that. This thing doesn't actually look like a bus. It's two lanes wide and can consist of several cars. Such a bus will be able to carry up to 1,200 passengers at maximum capacity. And it will run on regular roads. We'll need to equip the roads along its route with rails on both sides. The elevated bus itself will move at about 6.5 feet above the road. This is comparable to riding on the second floor of a London double-decker bus. That's it for today. So hey, if you pacified your curiosity, then give the video a like and share it with your friends. Or if you want more, just click on these videos and stay on the bright side.